Book Two, Chapter Four of Saint Francis of Assisi: A Biography by Johannes Jorensen, translated by Thomas O'Connor Sloan. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Book Two, Francis the Evangelist, Chapter Four, Portiuncula and the Early Disciples. The small and ancient chapel of Portiuncula, as it exists today is a long room with a pointed arch ceiling and a semicircular apse a gable roof a simple arched door in the facade and another in one of the side walls according to a tradition that for the first time is given in salvator vitalis's paradisus seraphicus milan sixteen forty five the chapel was built by five hermits during the pontificate of pope liberius in the fourth century who were returning home from the holy land with a relic of mary's grave which was given to them by saint cyril in any case there is found over the altar a picture of great age which represents the assumption of the blessed virgin into heaven the many angels who float around mary in the picture gave the popular name to the chapel of our lady of the angels the designation portiuncula little portion of earth dates from the benedictines on mount sabasio to whom the chapel had belonged ever since 576 in 1075 the building was in such a ruinous condition that the monks abandoned it and withdrew to the mother house upon the mountain according to the legend pica had prayed in the deserted chapel and here received the knowledge that she would have a son who would eventually rebuild the fallen house of god after the putting of it in order francis and his brothers usually kept themselves in the forest which surrounded the church and it was a great joy to them when the abbey on mount sabasio which now belonged to the camaldolites gave the brethren the privilege of using portiuncula forever for francis was unwilling to take possession of the chapel in fee simple and strictly kept up the custom of sending every year a basket of fish to the monks as payment of rent at the side of the chapel francis and his brothers built a hut of interwoven boughs plastered over with mud and thatched with leaves sacks of straw served for beds the naked earth was both table and chair and the hedge served for convent walls this was the first franciscan luogo place established which according to francis's expressed wish was to be a model for all the others when the franciscan order began later to depart from his ideals one of the signs of this departure was that the designation luogo locus was changed for the more stately convento whence the less severe branch of the order took a name conventuals it was a new brotherhood the poor of christ the jesuati founded by st john colombini of siena who assumed the old franciscan designation besides the original flock of disciples there was now gathered here in portiuncula a circle of new brothers who could properly be called the new generation of franciscans by the side of bernard giles angelo and sylvester 
tradition and legend from now on placed a second series of names rufino masseo juniper leo yes this younger set is near surpassing the others and casting the older ones a little into the shade it seems as if many of the older ones had a certain inclination to isolate themselves and set more of a price on solitude than on community life thus sylvester longed to keep himself in the caves of carceri and there give himself up to prayer and meditation bernard was so wrapped up in god when he was in the woods that he did not even hear brother francis calling to him at other times he wandered sometimes twenty sometimes thirty days at a time alone on the highest mountain summits and saw the things which are on high giles led a life of extensive travelling was now in the holy land now in spain now in rome now in Barry at the shrine of st nicholas yet we will do wrong if we follow the legends and forget the works of early days on account of the newer members this before all applied to brother giles whom francis called by the title the knight of the round table and in whom all of the original franciscan spirit was vivified and stayed alive to the last until his death which happened in the year 1262 on the festival of st george the anniversary of his reception into the order giles continued to be god's good knight and the true st george of the noble lady poverty his life is especially a witness to the love of labor of the early franciscans his biography as it is written by his younger friend brother leo is full of such traits on his way to the holy land he came to brindisi and as there was no chance of embarking there at once he had to stay several days in the city here he begged an old cart filled it with water and dragged it through the city streets calling out like the water carriers qui vole de l'aqua who wants water as pay for water he took bread and such other things as were needed by him and his companions on the return from the same pilgrimage he was put ashore at ancona here too he found employment he went out and cut osiers for baskets and rushes for covering bottles he plated them and sold them not for money but for bread he also carried bodies to the grave and earned thereby not only a garment for himself but also for the brethren who accompanied him such deeds he wished to pray for him while he slept apparently it was during this stay in ancona that a priest who saw him coming home to the town with a bundle of rushes uttered the word hypocrite as giles passed by him on hearing this giles was so cast down that he could not keep back the tears and when the brother who accompanied him asked him the reason of his distress he answered because i am a hypocrite as a priest to-day said to me and does that make you believe that you are one asked the brother yes answered giles a priest cannot lie then his companion had to teach him that there is a difference between priests as between men and that like a man a priest can very likely do wrong 
and thus comforted the unhappy brother Giles. During his stay in Rome, Giles had arranged it so that he heard Mass early in the morning and then went out to a forest at some distance from the city. Here he gathered a bundle of wood which he carried back to Rome and sold for bread and other necessities. Once a lady wanted to give him more for the wood than he had asked, as she saw that it was a religious who was before her. But Giles now would not take more than half the former price. I will not yield to avarice, he declared. At the time of the wine harvest, he helped pluck grapes. In the olive harvest, he gathered olives. He often gleaned corn in the fields like other paupers, but gave most of it away saying that he had no granary to keep it in. From San Sisto's fountain outside of Rome, he brought water to the monks in the convent of Santi Quattro Coronati, and also helped the convent cook in mixing bread and grinding flour. Altogether, he took part in all kinds of work by which he could support himself. He only had one invariable requirement, the time necessary to read his breviary, and for meditation. In the midst of this life of ceaseless industry, he was infused with a deep Franciscan goodness. Once he cut the hood off his cloak while on his way to San Iago de Compostela and gave it to a poor person who had asked for alms. He went about for the next twenty days without any hood. As he went through Lombardy, a man beckoned to him, Giles thought that he wanted to give him something and approached him, but with a grin the man stuck a pair of dice into his hand. God forgive you, my son, said Giles, and went his way. When carrying water to the monks in Santi Quattro Coronati, he was addressed by a wanderer on the Appian Way who wanted a drink from his jar. Giles refused it, whereupon the man made an outcry in his wrath. Giles made no response, but as soon as he had reached the convent, he got another jar, filled it, overtook the man, and asked him to drink, saying, Do not be angry with me, but I did not like to take the monk's water that another had tasted of. Even when a guest with such noble people as the Bishop of Tusculum, Cardinal Nicholas, he went out and earned his bread which he afterwards ate at the cardinal's table. One day it rained in torrents, and the cardinal was rejoicing that Brother Giles for once would have to eat of his food. Meanwhile Giles went to the kitchen, found that it was dirty, and offered the cook to clean it for a price of two loaves. The offer was accepted, and the cardinal was disappointed in his hopes. As it rained the next day also, Giles earned his two loaves by polishing all the knives in the house. Under the title of Brother Giles' Wisdom, there are collected a quantity of maxims and sayings, apparently mostly from his later years. Thus it is told that two cardinals once had paid him a visit, and on leaving had politely recommended themselves to his prayers. It is surely not necessary that I should pray for you, my lords, was his answer, for it is evident that you have more faith and hope than I have. How is that? asked the two princes of the church, astonished and perhaps a little anxiously, for Brother Giles was known for his wit. 
because you who have so much of power and honor and the glory of this world hope to be saved and i who live so poorly and wretchedly fear in spite of all that i will be damned until his death brother giles lived true to the franciscan ideals poverty chastity cheerfulness a sonnet which he composed in honor of chastity is preserved for us as well as some fragments of other verse in his little convent garden at perugia he listened to the cooing doves and spoke to them and on beautiful summer mornings he would be seen wandering up and down among his flower-beds singing the praises of god and playing as if on a violin with two sticks one of which he scraped upon the other if the older brothers lived thus much by themselves we find the newer generation of franciscans almost always in the company of francis especially was Maceo of Marignano, near Assisi, the master's companion on many important journeys. While Francis was a very insignificant man and of small size and therefore was taken for a poor being by those who did not know him, on the other hand, Maceo was large and fine-looking and had the gift of eloquence and could speak with people. When the two went together begging, francis got nothing but a few bits and remains of bread and that dry but maceo got good big pieces and bread enough and whole loaves just the same the tall fine-looking eloquent maceo offered his services up in carceri to look after the door to receive alms and to go into the kitchen so that he alone would bear the whole burden of the house while the other brothers could give themselves undisturbedly to prayer and meditation. And once, when he was walking with Francis and came to a crossway, where one could go to Florence, to Siena, or to Arezzo, and Brother Maceo asked, Father, which way shall we take? Francis answered him, The way God wishes. But Brother Maceo asked further, How shall we know God's will? and francis answered that i will now show you in the name of holy obedience i order you to start turning round and round in the road here as the children do and not to stop until i tell you to then brother maceo began to whirl round and round as children do and he became so giddy that he often fell down but as francis said nothing to him he got up again and continued at last as he was turning round with great vigour francis said stop and do not move and he stood still and francis asked him how is your face turned brother maceo answered toward siena then francis said it is god's will that we shall go to siena today francis exercised the tall impressive brother maceo with other such humiliations until he felt humble and small and maceo at last became so deep in humility that he regarded himself as a great sinner and very deserving of hell although he daily waxed strong in all virtues and this humility filled him with such an inward light that he was always full of joy and often when he prayed he would give out a cry of joy 
a monotone like the cooing of a dove and with cheerful face and joyful heart he lived in the sight of god and yet regarded himself as the most insignificant of men but it came to pass in his old age that young brother jacob of faleroni asked him why he did not make a change in his way of rejoicing and make a new verse then he answered with great delight because he who has all his happiness in only one thing should not sing but the one verse brother rufino of assisi among the younger disciples reminds us of bernard of quintavalle among the older ones like him he was of noble family he belonged to the noble race shefi or shefi and like bernard he had an inclination to be a hermit an inclination which was so strong that finally he on a single opportunity offering itself was near leaving francis whose practical christianity appealed to him less than a life in ascetic solitude like that of the old hermits of the desert he was often seen sunk in prayer and meditation so that he could scarcely be roused out of it and when he at last was awakened there was no connection in what he said on the other hand brother juniper or Ginepro, was entirely of francis's spirit of him francis said jokingly i wish we had a whole grove of such juniper trees it was he who one day when one of the brothers who lay sick in portiuncula convent expressed a desire for boiled pig's feet sprang into the woods and cut off a foot from one of the swine which went there after mass and served it to the sick brother after him came the peasant to whom the pig belonged complained to francis whose suspicion fell upon brother juniper he was called and answered freely about his action for said he our brother got so much good out of the foot of this pig that i would have no remorse if i had cut the feet off of a hundred swine with much difficulty francis brought brother juniper to suspect the least wrong in such a wilful trespass upon a neighbor's goods very well said he at last i see that the man is angry with us but now i will try to find him and pacify him and he ran the best he could and found the peasant and told him the whole story how the brother who was sick wanted a cooked pig's foot that pigs are made for man's use for his nourishment and food that everything belonged equally to all men because no one can make so much as one little pig but god alone can do it and that therefore he had taken the one pig's foot because the sick man had wanted it so badly all this brother juniper told very explicitly and with satisfaction to the angry peasant being now sure that all was understood and that he would be understood and that the amputation of the pig's foot would be forgiven but it turned out otherwise for the man began to abuse brother juniper calling him an evildoer a loafer a thief and robber a simpleton and a fool why he cannot have understood me thinks brother juniper and begins anew his story still more impressively than before then when he came to the end he fell on the neck of the peasant and cried out 
see i did this for my poor sick brother that he might get well again and you have helped me so you must cease being troubled or angry but let us together rejoice and thank the good god who gives us the fruits of the earth and the flocks of the field and the wild beasts of the woods and who wants us all to be his children and to help one another like good brothers and sisters am i not right my dear good brother and thereupon brother juniper embraced the peasant and pressed him to his heart and kissed him and the peasant thought over it begged for forgiveness from god and from the brothers with bitter tears for his hardness and went away and caught a pig and slaughtered it cooked it and brought it himself to the convent at portiuncula as a gift to the brethren the same brother juniper was once in a little convent and the time came for the other brothers to leave it to go each to his work as they went off the guardian brother gave instructions to brother juniper and said to him take good care of the house while we are away and cook a little food before we return depend upon me answered brother juniper and the others went on when he was alone he began to reflect over what he had been told and said to himself as he went on chopping wood and gathering some twigs to make the fire with is it not really unreasonable that a brother should thus be in the kitchen every day and use up his time there without being able to pray a little bit i shall certainly see to it so that to-day there shall be prepared so much food that even if the brothers were many more they would have enough to eat for the next two weeks having reached this determination brother juniper went to the neighboring city and purchased there a lot of clay pots together with meat game eggs and a quantity of vegetables he lit a big wood fire filled the pots with water and put all the food into them chickens with the game all unplucked the vegetables without washing and the rest in the same style the brothers came home as brother juniper was in full blast with his cooking a huge fire was roaring away and brother juniper jumped from one pot to the other so that it was a joy to see him and stirred them with a long stick because the fire was so hot that he could not get near the pots at last he rang the dinner bell and read with his exertions and the heat of the fire he carried in his dishes of food and set them down before the assembled brethren saying eat now and then we will go to our prayers i have cooked so much food to-day that there is enough to last us for the next two weeks meanwhile none of the brethren touched the food which brother juniper vainly with great eloquence offered them as a great feast but as it dawned upon brother juniper what he had done he cast himself at their feet kneeling and striking his breast and blamed himself for having spoiled so much good food it was not always pure naivete that was at the bottom of such actions sometimes brother juniper wished in this burlesque manner to give others of the brethren a lesson which might be needed as they departed from the spirit of the order possibly the brothers to whom he served the wild lobscous had shown too great interest and had spent too much time in the cooking department 
a reprimand of the best kind was given by brother juniper when in the middle of the night he served porridge with a big lump of butter in the middle to his superior who had reproved him the preceding afternoon for his too great generosity in giving alms father said brother juniper as he stood before his door with the plate of porridge in one hand and a lighted candle in the other to-day when you reprimanded me for my fault i noticed that you were very hot from pure excitement now i have prepared this porridge for you and beg you to eat it it is good for the throat and chest the superior who understood the meaning of this untimely attention harshly told brother juniper to go away with his foolish tricks well said he the porridge is cooked and has to be eaten so you hold the light while i do the eating the other was enough of a franciscan to answer this boldness by sitting down at the table with brother juniper and sharing the porridge with him such actions resulted in making brother juniper famous and people used to collect together when he was coming to see him it so happened that he was once sent to rome and several prominent persons of the same type of the ladies rustling in silks and smelling of perfume who in our days are seen lorgnetting the martyrs graves in the catacombs presented themselves at his door for the purpose of meeting him brother juniper had been told about it and prepared at once to play a trick on their curiosity masquerading as piety in a field by the roadside a couple of boys were playing seesaw having placed a plank across a support each sitting on his own end of the plank and going up and down alternately so brother juniper took the place of one of the boys and when the noble company came along they were much surprised to find the man of god busily engaged in seesawing none the less they greeted him with great deference and next waited for him to stop his play and come out to them but brother juniper troubled himself little about their greeting and waiting on the contrary he gave them more energy to his seesawing and after the strangers had waited thus a reasonable time and brother juniper kept on seesawing they went away irritated as they mutually agreed that the so-called holy brother was an entirely common peasant and lout void of all culture then only did brother juniper leave his seesawing and went on to rome in peace and alone like brother leo and brother angelo tancredi of rieti brother juniper belonged to the small select circle who after the master's death associated themselves with st clara brother juniper was present with the other two at the deathbed of st clara what is the news from god she asked cheerfully as this loyal disciple of francis showed himself at her bedside and he sat down by her and spoke flaming sparks of words a chip of the same block as brother juniper was that brother john who bore the surname the simple whose calling to enter the order is told in the following recital when the brethren were living at portiuncula and were now many in number st francis went around to the towns and churches in the vicinity of assisi and preached to the people 
that they should be converted and he had a broom with him to clean the churches of dirt for it made st francis very unhappy when he saw that a church was not as clean as he wished and therefore he sometimes stopped in his preaching and gathered the priests around him in some retired place so that no one else should hear and preached on the salvation of souls and especially on keeping the churches and altars clean and all that had to do with the celebration of the holy mysteries and one day he came to a village in the environs of assisi and started in all humility to sweep and clean it but the rumor of who was there ran through the whole place and a peasant who was ploughing his field also heard of it and came at once and found him busy sweeping the church but the peasant whose name was john said to him brother give me the broom and let me help you and he took the broom out of his hand and swept vigorously then they sat down together and he said to saint francis brother for a long time i have had a desire to serve god and especially after i heard of thee and thy brethren but i never knew how i could meet thee it has now pleased god to bring us together so i will do all thou wishest when st francis perceived so great a zeal he rejoiced in the lord especially because at this time he had only a few brothers and it seemed to him that this simple and upright man could become a good brother therefore he said to him brother if you have it in your mind to live like us you must free yourself of all the possessions you can dispose of and you must give them to the poor after the counsels of the gospel for thus have all my brothers done each in his own way when he had heard this he turned back to the field where he had left the oxen standing in the plough unyoked them and brought one of them back to st francis brother said he to him it is now many years that i have served my father and all in the house i intend therefore as my portion by inheritance to take this ox and give it to the poor in the way that shall seem best to you but when his parents and his sisters who were all younger than he heard that he was going to leave them they began to cry so strongly and so long that st francis was moved to pity because they were many and could do nothing therefore he said to them this your son wants to serve god and that should not displease you in him but you should rather rejoice over it but so that you in the meanwhile shall not be without comfort i will have him give you this ox just as he would have given it to the other poor as the gospel teaches us then they were all comforted with the word saint francis said and still more that they had got the ox back but brother john was clothed in the habit of the order and so great was his simplicity that he thought he was obliged to do all that st francis did when therefore st francis was in a church or other place to pray he watched him closely so as to follow all his ways and movements and when st francis bent the knee or lifted his hands to heaven or spit or sighed then he did exactly the same but as st francis became aware of this he scolded him very cheerfully about it then brother john answered brother 
i have promised to do all that you do and therefore it is fit that i copy you in all things francis's special confidant and best friend among the younger ones yes among all the disciples at this time was brother leo of assisi who filled the office of his amanuensis and secretary francis called him perhaps with a wilful opposition to his name leone lion frate pecorella di dio brother little lamb of god it was together with him that francis according to the fioretti was once in a place where they had no bravery to pray out of so as to spend the time in praising god francis proposed the following part prayer i shall first say o brother francis you have done so much ill and committed so many sins here in the world that you are worthy to go to hell and to this you must answer yes it is true that you deserve the deepest hell and blithe as a dove brother leo answered willingly father let us begin in the name of god then francis began to say o brother francis thou hast done so much evil and committed so many sins here in the world that thou art worthy to go to hell and brother leo answered god will do so much good through thee that thou shalt come into paradise and francis answered do not say that brother leo but when i now say brother francis thou hast done so much wrong before god that thou art worthy to be damned then answer thus thou art certainly worthy to come among the damned and brother leo answered willingly father then francis began to sigh and groan and beat his breast and said in a loud voice o lord god of heaven and earth i have committed such wrong against thee and so many sins that i am worthy to be damned by thee and brother leo answered o brother francis god will do such things with thee that thou shalt be happy before all the blessed but francis wondered why brother leo was so set in not answering as he had been told to and he scolded him for it saying why dost thou not answer as i told thee to in the name of holy obedience i order thee to answer as i now will teach thee thus i say o thou bad francis dost thou think that god will have pity on thee that thou hast committed so many sins against the father of mercy and god of comfort that thou in no way art worthy to find mercy and thou brother leo god's little lamb answer thou art in no way worthy to find mercy but as francis said after this o thou bad francis etc brother leo answered him the father god whose mercy is infinitely greater than thy transgressions will show thee great mercy and will moreover manifest to thee much favor over this answer francis was very angry and a little carried away and he said to brother leo why hast thou fallen so as to show thyself disobedient now thou hast so many times answered the opposite of what i told thee but brother leo humbly and reverentially answered god knows father that every time i have wished to answer thee as thou commandest me to but god forced me to speak as it pleased him and not as it pleased me 
francis wondered greatly over this and said to brother leo i pray thee in charity to answer me this time as i have told thee brother leo replied in god's name i will certainly answer every time as thou wishest it and with tears francis now said o thou wicked brother francis dost thou believe that god can have mercy upon thee brother leo answered thou shalt have great favors from god and he shall raise thee up and glorify thee for all eternity for he who lowers himself shall be exalted and i cannot say anything else for god is speaking through my mouth it was also in company with brother leo that francis always according to the fioretti went one winter day from perugia to portiuncula and the great cold affected them severely and francis called to brother leo who went ahead and spoke thus to him brother leo even if we brothers over the whole earth give good examples of holiness and edification mark it well and write it down that in that is not the perfect happiness and francis went a little further and he called a second time and said o brother leo even if we brothers gave the blind their sight again cured the lame drove out devils made the deaf to hear the cripples to walk the dumb to talk and what is still more woke the dead after four days had passed mark thou that in that there is not perfect happiness and he went on a little and called out loudly o oh, brother leo even if we brothers spoke all tongues and knew all wisdom and the whole of the scriptures and were able to reveal the future and the secrets of the heart so mark thou that in that there is not perfect happiness and francis went on a piece more and then called with a high voice o brother leo thou god's little lamb even if we brothers spoke with the tongues of angels and knew the courses of the stars and the powers of herbs and all the treasures of the earth were revealed to us and all the virtues and powers of birds and beasts and fishes and also the properties of mankind and of trees and stones and roots and water mark thou this still that in that there is not perfect happiness and francis went on a little further and then said with a loud voice o brother leo even if we brothers knew how to preach so that all the faithless would be converted to the faith of christ mark thou still that in that there is not perfect happiness and thus he talked for more than half the way but at last brother leo said with much wonder father i beg thee for god's sake to tell me where perfect happiness can be found and francis answered him when we come to portiuncula and are wet through with rain and frozen with cold and dirty with the mud of the road and overcome with hunger and we knock on the convent door and the porter comes and is angry and says who are you and we say we are two of thy brothers and he says you do not speak the truth but are two highway robbers who go about and deceive people and steal alms from the poor away with you when he speaks thus and will not open the door for us 
but lets us stand out in the cold and snow and water and hunger and the night falls and when we endure such abusive words and such a wickedness and such treatment and endure it without becoming angry and without quarrelling with him and when we instead think in humility and love that the porter knows us as we really are and that it is god who lets him talk against us o brother leo mark thou that is perfect happiness and if we keep on knocking and he comes out and is angry and treats us like a pair of thieves and hunts us away with evil words and with ear-boxing and says to us get out ye shameless rascals go to the lepers here you will find neither food nor lodging and we bear this too with patience and cheerfulness and charity o brother leo mark thou that therein is perfect happiness and if we driven by cold and hunger and by the night knock again and beg him with bitter tears that he for god's sake will let us in if only across the threshold and he gets still more angry and says you are certainly shameless vagabonds but now you will get your deserts and he runs out with a knotted stick and seizes us by the hoods and throws us to the ground and rolls us in the snow and nearly kills us with the stick and if we endure all this so patiently and think of the sufferings of christ the all-praised one and of how much we ought to suffer for the sake of our love of him o brother leo mark thou that in this is perfect happiness now hear the end of all this brother leo more than all grace and all the gifts of the holy ghost which christ vouchsafes to his friends is the conquering of yourself and the willing endurance of suffering injustice contempt and harshness for of the other gifts of god we cannot take any credit to ourselves for they are not ours but come from god so that the apostle says what hast thou that thou hast not received but after you have received it why do you take credit for it as if you had it of yourselves but of trials and sufferings and crosses we can take the credit to ourselves therefore the apostle also says i will take credit for nothing except for the cross of our lord jesus christ ernest renan has justly said that since the time of the apostles there has never been a more powerful attempt to put the gospel into practice than in the movement started by francis it is no wonder then one night in a vision a pious man thought that he saw all men who were alive in the world stand like blind men around portiuncula and with folded hands and faces lifted to heaven call to god to give them back their sight and as they stood thus the heavens opened and a great light fell upon portiuncula and all who stood about it and all who had been blind opened their eyes and saw the light of salvation end of book two chapter four